If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, you guys. Welcome to episode five of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. As always, I'm your host, Troy McGeady, and I'm sorry, but I have to start off by venting about my morning because it started about seven minutes ago. Um, I'm half asleep still. I'm just going to let you know that right now. I'm a little bit out of it. You're not going to get the full version of me today because the full version of me is not here yet. I don't even have the full version of myself. I'm not allowed that until like noon, but I woke up this morning, right? I go downstairs to make a cup of coffee. Like I always do. I turn on the Keurig. Like I always do. I tap 10 ounces as always. Everything's going swimmingly. I type or I tap uh, strong as I always do. So far, my routine is going as it always does. I turn it on. I walk away. I come back. And I realized that I put the cup in, but I did not put a mug underneath the goddamn Keurig. So I brewed 10 ounces of coffee of Starbucks French roast all over the goddamn counter. So seven minutes into waking up, early as fuck in the morning, I had to clean up hot coffee that had poured all over the counter and all over the floor. And I'm pretty sure my cat was licking it up. And I'm pretty sure she should not be having Starbucks extra strong French roast. So now I'm going to be Googling what that'll do to her body, and I'm sure it'll tell me that it'll give her, like, cancer or something, and I'm going to be panicked about it all day. So that's how my day has started off, and I'm hoping that it gets better because I have a really good story here for you today. It's very silly. It's very dark. It's very fun. It's very sad. I feel like that's the theme every week, though. These stories are, like, hilarious, but they're also really dark because these people are all just, like, train wrecks and, like, lost souls. Today we're going to be talking about Misha Barton and Cisco Adler. Misha and Cisco dated on and off for about two years, starting in September of 2005, and that was two months after Misha had broken up with Brandon Davis. <laughs> As you may know, he is uh, the man responsible for coining the term firecrotch in the early 2000s. You may know him as Lindsay Lohan as a firecrotch. She's only worth about $3 million. She's poor. Lindsay Lohan as a firecrotch. And I'm just going to tell you right now, 
this story is so ridiculous, and the reason that these two broke up is so... Ugh, I wish that I had made it up, but I didn't. I wish that I could have written something this absurd, but I couldn't. My mind couldn't even go as far as to make up something so ridiculous. So I'm going to tell you right now, like, the ending of this story is so ridiculous. I'm going to tell this one a little bit different because I want to reveal it at the end. So I'm going to go through all the things, and at the very end, I'll tell you why they broke up because I think it deserves, like, a reveal party. I also want to let you guys in on a little bit of a secret. So when we were developing the idea for this podcast, at the very beginning, it used to have the the word herpes in it, like, in the title, and we all thought it was super, super funny. And... I decided against it because I'm a fucking bitch baby, and I knew that I would giggle like a goddamn anime schoolgirl every time I had to say the word herpes every week, so like, like right now, <laughs> and uh, so I, I knew that I wouldn't be able to do it, I was like, I, I can't say the word herpes every single week, I'll always laugh, I can say like cunt every goddamn minute, but I can't say herpes without giggling, but truthfully, we should have titled this podcast Valtrax Prescription. I'm not even kidding, because what I've discovered is that Hollywood is just a giant circle jerk. That's all it is. Everybody is standing next to everybody else, and everybody's got their penises out, and everybody is jerking everybody off. It's a circle jerk. That's all it is. Everybody fucks everybody. It's a giant, unprotected circle jerk. So, without further ado, let's just like get right into it. I'm ready to talk about Cisco Adler. So, for those of you who don't know, uh, Cisco Adler is the son of music producer, director Lou Adler. He was really famous in the early 2000s. Um, his dad is also the brother-in-law of Daryl Hannah. Cisco is a musician. He used to work a lot with Mickey Avalon in the early 2000s. He would make appearances on shows all the time. And I think he was mostly well-known for working with the rapper Swayze in the early 2000s as well. They had an MTV reality show called Buzzin'. And uh, it was super popular in, like, 2008. And they also released a couple singles during that time that were really popular. I think they made the Billboard Top 100. One of them was called Corona and Lime. If you still don't know who I'm talking about, I'm thinking that may jog your memory. Corona and Lime, anybody? <laughs> um, also, they had another single called Buzzin'. And um, truthfully, both these songs pop up on my iPhone's shuffle, like, at least twice a week. And I don't think I've ever turned away from either of them. They're really good. I'm embarrassed about that, but whatever. So, unless you've been living in a cave without Wi-Fi service for the past 12 years, then you know that Misha Barton rose to fame in 2003 as her character Marissa Cooper on the show The O.C. And The O.C. premiered on Fox in August of 2005. Um, It ran for four years, and it premiered to really super high ratings. It was almost immediately considered a pop culture phenomenon. I mean, that show changed the trajectory of where, like, our culture was headed, our youth culture, our fashion really specifically music, like for a band to premiere a song on the OC was a fucking huge deal. And just for fun, I looked up the bands that premiered songs or made guest appearances at the Bait Shop, which was the uh, the fake concert venue that 16-year-old me would dream of going to. Just to see, like, I don't know, I just wanted to see the impact that this show had on my music taste without me maybe even realizing it. This is just a small list of bands and artists that either premiered music on the OC or performed on the OC or had albums that were really successful as a direct result of being on the OC. Uh, The Killers, Modest Mouse, The Thrills, Death Cab for Cutie, The Subways, Gwen Stefani, The Shins, Beastie Boys, U2, Beck, Coldplay, Phantom Planet, Rooney, and Imogen Heap. 
And the list goes on and on and on. So my iPod, my 2007, 2008, 2009 iPod basically was a shrine to the OC is what I what I realized. The OC also had a huge impact on reality TV. As we all know, Laguna Beach was considered the real OC. It was like the 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 real, the salacious version of what was going on on the show. And then the Real Housewives of Orange County was also a direct descendant of the OC. And people from other parts of the country just became really obsessive about the way wealthy people lived on the West Coast. And like, honestly, not much has changed. Like, it's been 12 years and... We still can't shake this fascination with, like, fascination with, uh, you know, like, rich people that have beach houses. Like, I don't know what it is, but we still watch these shows. The OC also really cemented Misha Barton as an it girl, which, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I have an obsession with Hollywood it girls and their rise and fall. And uh, she was somebody that I always felt like, she never really desired that level of media attention, even if it meant that she wouldn't be as famous. I think she was just sort of thrusted into it, and she just always seemed really uncomfortable with how famous she was at that time, which honestly makes sense. Like, Misha was raised a theater kid, you know, and she got into this business because I think she genuinely, as a child, loved acting, and she loved, like, theater and film. She loved stage acting, and uh, she was never the girl who hoped to be any version of, like, a teen idol. And I actually would put her in the same category as a Kristen Stewart. Like if we had to categorize it, I would say it's like an accidental it girl. Like all of a sudden I feel like people like them look around and it's like, okay, well I'm now like the face of Neutrogena and I'm a a Skechers ambassador. You know what I mean? Like it just all of a sudden happens and they're like, what the fuck is going on? I also, to be honest with you, I don't think Misha Barton was ever really cut out for this level of scrutiny that you receive as, a, like, a young it girl. I think, you know, I've said it before, like, the way that these girls handle the attention and the scrutiny that they get is interesting to me because, you know, they all have their own way, really, of dealing with it. And there's nothing in life that really prepares you for the world to, you know, pick your body apart as a teenager and put all this pressure on you to say and do things a certain way and for us to all obsess over your relationships and, like, your virginity and all these things that come along with it. Like, to be honest, I don't think anyone is actually cut out for it. Like, I don't think there's anybody who is born with the ability to handle that kind of pressure. And, you know, that's why they always crack or they turn to substances to deal with it. But I think Misha is particularly insecure and fragile in a way that doesn't really lend itself to being the most famous 17-year-old girl in the country. Like, I just I just don't think this was ever what she wanted. I would even go as far as to say Misha's media exposure at that time was even more intense than someone like a Lindsay Lohan at the beginning of her career because she was being set up not only to be an it girl, but a fashion it girl, which is, like, its own... It's an entirely separate category. That's, like, double the exposure. And I almost feel like Misha's model features and the fact that she had a model's body was a detriment to her career at that time because... You know, given the type of career that she wanted to have before, she was being pushed into a completely different direction. And uh, I actually have a quote here. Misha did an interview with Metro UK in 2014 where she talks about regretting her decision to do the OC. And she said, it's something I came so close to not doing. I had a really great thing going with film. People say be grateful for what you have, but it certainly wasn't the thing I expected it to be. Now... It sounds ungrateful and really cunty on paper, sure, but I don't blame her for it. 
I've never blamed Kristen Stewart for it either. Like, there are girls that I just look at and I'm like, you were not cut out for this and you so clearly don't want to be doing it. And it's not your fault that you can't stop this train from moving. Like, you're one person surrounded by, you know, a team of people who are pushing you in a way that you at 17 think is the right thing to be doing. I don't think not wanting to be a teen idol when it's something that you've never desired makes you a bad person, honestly. And, you know, I've never looked at her and thought like, wow, you know, She's not grateful for that interview she did with Teen Beat, bitch. You know what I mean? Where they asked her her favorite bubblegum flavors. What a goddamn ungrateful bitch. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Misha's character Marissa was killed off the show in its third season, which freed Misha to pursue other things and focus more on film. And uh, her death was one of the most memorable moments, I'd say, in television history. And uh, it basically ended the show. The ratings dropped so drastically for the next two seasons that they canceled it. So, in an interview that Misha did with Herbal Essences, while she was still a spokesperson for the brand, she had this to say about the death of the character. It wasn't my decision, but I think that for the people who thought the show was going in the wrong direction, I would have been one of them. There were some people who were very happy with it. Adam had a lot of film offers that he couldn't take, and so did I. Plus, our character's writing was getting more and more difficult to act. It was their professional decision to come to me and give me two versions of the ending, and I chose for my character to die. By the way... In this interview, Misha looks so fucking high that she can barely keep her head up. Her words are barely coming out of her mouth. It looks like it's filmed with like a T-Mobile sidekick, like the first camera phone, smartphone. I've got to link it. It's like really disturbing to watch. And like I watched it like seven times. Misha's also been very vocal about the fact that she has no interest in any sort of like OC reunion or reviving her Marissa Cooper character in any way. She told Huffington Post in 2013 that she was very much ready for closure on the character and the series. And um, during her time on Dancing with the Stars, she said that it felt like she was in a machine and that it felt like it was just the right time to take a step back and end things. And she said that she went back to England and she had a self-exploration year, which I'm really interested in knowing what a year of self-exploration looks like for Misha Barton. Probably not good. In 2006, Misha starred in the indie film The O in Ohio with Parker Posey and Paul Rudd, and um, the film was a huge commercial flop. She also did some guest roles on All My Children, which, like, what? So, Paris Hilton and Misha Barton are said to have had a public falling out in 2006 after it was announced that Misha was dating Cisco Adler. So just to give you some context, so Cisco was the ex-boyfriend of Kimberly Stewart, which, if you've listened to this podcast or if you've lived... In the world, for the past 10 years, you know that Paris Hilton has been very close to Kimberly Stewart her entire life. And around this time, Misha was also extremely close to Nicole Richie, who was in the middle of her public falling out with Paris. So, some people say that it had a lot to do with Cisco. Some people say it was because Misha was, you know, obviously choosing her best friend's side in their fight. Nobody knows the exact reason, but these two had, like, a tiny little bit of a feud in 2006. This is also, by the way, the third episode of this podcast. I've mentioned Kimberly Stewart like 37 times. I've said it before, and I will say it again. Hollywood is a giant, unprotected circle jerk. Misha was asked about Paris by a reporter, and she responded, Paris seems to hate everyone around her age who is more successful. Silly bitch. She does steal people's boyfriends. First of all, I love that she called her a silly bitch. That's like the greatest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. She also added, Paris isn't my rival. I've met her one or two times and she's making it out that there's this big rivalry between us and there isn't. 
To which Paris responded, of course. <laughs> it seems like she's the one who's trying to stir up a rivalry. I've never said a thing about her in my life, but she seems to be spending a lot of time thinking about me. So one of Misha's first like scandal headlines came in late 2006 when it was reported that she had gotten drunk at a nightclub in London and she danced on a table while singing Britney Spears and drinking straight from a bottle of champagne. Now look, do I really need to tell you how happy that makes me? Don't you feel like you know me well enough at this point to know that that makes my stomach tingle? I see no problem with anybody standing on a table at a bar and holding a bottle of champagne and singing Britney Spears. And shame on the person who does. The website Egotastic reported in 2006, um, the recent Britney Spears upskirt incident has spawned yet another celebrity wannabe. This time, Misha Barton. No, there's no new flashing incidents. Not that we haven't seen Misha's Misha Barton's upskirt before, but Misha did get on stage and belt out a Britney Spears tune while clubbing in London, according to PR Inside. A drunk Barton sang Oops, I Did It Again just a day after Britney's embarrassing publicity stunt. They're referencing Britney showing her vagina, which I'm sure you've picked up on. The former OC actress was enjoying an evening out in London on Tuesday when she decided to treat revelers to the trendy paper nightclub some some of her singing. Misha, 20, jumped on stage and <laughs> and launched into the famous track and even treated clubbers to a sexy dance routine. I love the thought of a sexy dance routine from Misha Barton. One onlooker said she got on stage clutching a microphone and a bottle of champagne. She seemed a bit drunk, but her singing was good. She certainly can hold a note. Well, good for her. And then that guy said, hopefully this isn't the beginning of a downward spiral from Misha Barton. Can you imagine being the first reporter to ever say downward spiral and Misha Barton in the same sentence? Isn't there some sort of like award for that? In 2007, the public started to focus a lot more on Misha's erratic public behavior rather than her acting. Uh, in February of 07, after dropping Nicole Richie off at a tanning salon, Misha got into a car accident in Nicole's uh, Mercedes SUV. And then in May of 07, Page Six got pictures of Misha running out of a Soho bar, puking on the sidewalk extremely close to Jamie Lynn Sigler's feet, and then running back inside the bar to drink more, which, like, look, we've all been, like, 20 years old once, okay? It's called a puking rally. Like, we've all been there. No judgment from me. Later that month, she was photographed smoking a joint in her car by the paparazzi. That was a huge deal. Those pictures circulated all over the place. And, um, you know, in 2007, we were a lot more conservative. So seeing somebody like Misha Barton smoking a joint was a huge fucking deal. In December of that year, Misha did an interview with The Independent where they asked her about her growing image as a party girl. And she said, I take it with a pinch of salt, honestly. Do I find it amusing? Yeah, kind of. On Memorial Day of that year, while celebrating at Nicole Richie's barbecue, she was rushed to the hospital for having an, quote, adverse reaction to medication. Um, apparently, she was recovering from bronchitis, and she had no idea that you're not supposed to drink alcohol while while on antibiotics. That's the story she told to the press. And her publicist released a statement saying, Barton had an allergic reaction after combining antibiotics, which she was taking for bronchitis, with booze. She says her client was not, in fact, taking mushrooms. Which, like, the fact that she felt the need to sort of sprinkle in that Misha wasn't on mushrooms is, um, is very telling. That year, headlines of Misha's hospitalization actually took a backseat to this leaked Memorial Day invite that Nicole Richie sent out that year via email to all of her friends. And I'm telling you, this invite is so iconic. I used to have this posted on my MySpace. <laughs> okay, of course, I'm a psychopath, so I wrote it down. I'm going to read it to you. 
It says, my fellow Americans, it's that time of year to celebrate our country by drinking massive amounts of beer. Let's stand together as one, live the American dream, take shots, pass out, and wake up with our pants ripped open at the seams. Let's glorify this day in your sluttiest tops and your tightest pair of Subi jeans, even though we have no fucking clue what Memorial Day really means. And then it said, P.S. There will be a scale at the front door. No girls over 100 pounds allowed in. Starve yourself right now. <laughs> Starve yourselves now. <laughs> See you all then. <laughs> Clearly, it's supposed to be funny. But people didn't think it was very funny. Because in 2007, we had no sense of humor. And everybody flipped the fuck out and thought she was being serious. Because people talked about Nicole's weight all the time. And... That said that she was glorifying, you know, anorexia and blah, 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 blah. I fucking love this. This is why I love Nicole Richie. In December of that year, Misha was arrested for driving under the influence, driving without a license, driving with a blood alcohol level over the legal limit, and possession of marijuana. And she was held on a $10,000 bail. And on January 8th, and in January of 08, Misha did an interview with Ryan Seacrest about the arrests, and this quote actually comes from a People magazine article that recapped it. She said, Obviously, I'm 100% responsible for my actions in this case. Barton 21 told Ryan Seacrest's LA radio show Thursday morning about the DUI. I'm really disappointed in myself. I don't know what to say about it except that I'm not perfect, and I just don't ever intend to do something so stupid again. I was out with some friends and actually hadn't been driving earlier in the night, but I wanted to get my car home, Barton explained. I can't really get into specifics. We've got the case coming up, and I'm not supposed to say anything about what happened. You guys, it's me, Allie Lohan. Just kidding, it's not Allie Lohan, it's Troy, I tricked you. I just wanted to interrupt the podcast to let you know that if you want to hear the remainder of it, you have to be a Patreon member. And to be a member of our Patreon page, all you do is go to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. And at that point, when you sign up on my level to get this podcast, you'll also be getting Liz Bentley's Feathers in My Hair, which is the Teen Mom podcast. You'll get anything else that Molly decides to do through Patreon, and she does uh, Patreon exclusives all the time. You'll also get Molly and I's uh, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic special and whatever else we decide to do in the future. So, as I said before, it's patreon.com slash ebpsychos. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.